What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris Wilson. I'm again joined by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, we're closing in on pitchers and catchers report. And how ready are you for baseball to be back? Man, I am so I am so incredibly ready. I was watching um, NFL playoffs last weekend, or yeah, last weekend, and just thinking like, as exciting as this is, I my mind is already to baseball. It's already to spring training and you know, all the storylines that we're going to get to follow. And then opening day is maybe my favorite day of the year. And I just, you know, baseball has just always been my first love. So I just can't, I can't wait for the season to start. And obviously we've got stuff to talk about between now and then, but yeah, man, I'm ready. Yeah. And I mean, we're in this weird period where there's just not much news. Um, We do have a few things to talk about here. You know, it's not really on the field stuff, but you know, it, it's, it is important, and um, uh, we want to touch on some of it. But I think the, the biggest story uh, was actually uh, Dana Brown leaving for the Astros. Dana uh, was the vice president of scouting for the Braves. Had been there for four years, I believe. Had led four drafts dating back to 2019. He's, going, he's leaving to be the uh, general manager of the Astros. We knew he'd been rumored. He'd been rumored, I think, for the Tigers' job. Been mentioned in a couple of places. But you know, uh, I think uh, I think is worthy. Um, uh, you know, we're happy for him. Obviously, it's a blow to the Braves. I thought it was interesting, though, that uh, they you know it came out right after that that they're not planning on a, to announce a replacement until after the season. That makes me think that it's probably the replacement's probably going to come from within, or they're at least going to see how it goes, and then you know they may add somebody at the end of the season after that. But uh, you know, what do you think about Brown going to the Astros? I, you know, I felt like I I didn't think he was probably a front runner when the everything all the uh, names kind of came out to start with. But I mean, he did, the longer he stayed in there, you know, he, it seemed like he had a chance. Yeah, I mean, it was reported on for so long that. By the time it actually happened, it wasn't really that big of a shock. I did think once David Stearns entered as a candidate, I thought he would probably be the favorite just because I think he came from Houston. I think he was a Houston product before he went to Milwaukee, and then obviously he had a really good run with Milwaukee. So I was expecting him to get the job. But, yeah, Dana was – I mean, he was he was listed from the minute that that job opened as a possible candidate. So it wasn't that surprising, and obviously good for him. You know, he's been the Braves director of scouting for five, four, four five four years, years now. Yeah, four years. Four years, yeah. Mm-hmm. So good for him. You know, it was, it's, it's a big deal. I tweeted out that it's got to be really weird to take over a job 
where the best you can hope for is to just match what the last guy did right before he got fired. And that's kind of that's kind of what Dana Brown has to do because, you know, the last guy won a World Series and then got fired a week later. So, you know, it's a tough job. You know, they obviously have extremely high expectations. Normally when you take over a franchise, it's because they're in a rough state and, you know, you've got some building to do. But, you know, the Astros are obviously the defending champs and, and have been in the World Series the last two years and, you know, probably the best team in baseball or at least one of the best teams in baseball so you know the expectations are going to be high and uh but good for him i was happy for him and it's it is a it, it was interesting to me that the braves weren't going to hire a replacement especially since there is a you know the draft obviously baseball is unique in the fact that their draft happens in the middle of their season and and the fact that the braves aren't going to have a director of scouting i mean somebody will do the job you know, in terms of actual day to day, but they're, the Braves aren't going to have somebody with the title of director of scouting for an entire draft. And that's, you know, that's obviously a big deal. So, uh, but Alex obviously does, it feels comfortable doing it. So yeah, we'll see what direction they go. Yeah. Getting back to the Astros thing, you know, I mean, you hope, you hope that Brown's walking into a great situation. It seems like a great situation, but you alluded to, uh, they, they fired James Click after the season. Well, not really fired. They offered him a low, uh, a low ball deal after the world series and uh, you know he that they knew he was going to decline and then they didn't hire they spent the whole off season and made moves but didn't hire a gm so you know it's it's a strange situation there with the owner um obviously you know he's he's had egg on his face before because of the sign stealing stuff and and everything and uh you know it sounded like they were getting a lot of uh uh, he's getting a lot of input from guys like Jeff Bagwell and Reggie Jackson, which is a combination that I, I I'll be honest, I never would have thought I'd ever put those two in the same sentence, uh, you know, for uh, baseball direction um, uh, of running a franchise. But, you know, happy for Dana Brown. That That is a great job on the surface. Uh, you know, you hopefully that they'll let him do his job and, uh, and go on. But, you know, I was looking at um, – just kind of his legacy here with Atlanta. You know, of course, he, he replaced Brian Bridges, who was a very popular uh, name from the rebuild era. You know, Brown's first-round picks, the 2019 Shea Langoliers, Braden Shoemake, 2020 Jared Schuster, uh, 2021 Ryan Cusick, and 2022 Owen Murphy. And then, you know, but you, you've got to take the – you've got to look at the draft as a whole. And, you know, just in those four drafts, you've got Michael Harris, Vaughn Grissom, Spencer Strider, and Bryce Elder, who've all made it to the majors. And, of course, Harris, Grissom, and and Strider played a huge part in that 101-win team last season. So, you know, pretty impressive. And, you know, from that standpoint, it's it's not surprising, I guess, that Brown's name, you know, it started coming up in GM searches. Yeah, and, you know, that's – that's a relatively quick turnaround too. I mean, Harrison and, and Grissom were 2019 draftees Strider and, and Elder were obviously 2020 and, and in the 2022 season, they were pretty much all major contributors in some way or another. So, and you're right about the draft, you, you know, the way the, the bonus pool works and the way under, under slot, over slot, all that stuff works. You can't, you can't just look at first round picks. You got to look at the whole draft because a lot of times you get almost as good a player in the second or third round, depending on how you use your money. So, but yeah, I mean, just getting Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Vaughn Grissom alone, just those three alone in the last, you know, three drafts, you know, pretty much cements Brown Brown's legacy as being a good, a good drafter. I mean, you can go your whole career and not draft guys that put up a, you know, four or five win season in the majors. And, and he's got two of them already. So, and we haven't really even seen what Vaughn Grissom's going to do yet. So, 
Yeah, I, I, he was really good at the job. I know people didn't like the fact that Brian Bridges was kind of replaced because he was extremely popular being here during the rebuild. But Alex was always going to bring in his own guys at some point. You know, he was only going to allow the the organization to run kind of with the guys that were here before him for so long before he brought it in his own people. So, and he'll do the same here. I mean, he'll get a chance to hire somebody else. He's extremely well connected throughout the league. He's been in, you know, in baseball for a long time. So he knows all the major players and I guarantee you, he's already got a couple names. It's just kind of a rough time of year to be hiring such a major, major role on the team. So I'm sure that's why they're waiting, but yeah, good for Brown. It was a good legacy. You know, those three guys alone make it a pretty strong legacy in terms of what he did for the Braves. And I hope, you know, nothing, nothing but the best in Houston. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, another item of, of front office news is uh, the Braves gave Brian Snicker a contract extension. Um, I know Brad and Scott talked about this a lot, but I wanted you and I to touch on it. Basically, this extension added a year to his deal through 2025. Uh, I think that's going to take him close to age 70. I mean, you say what you want about Snit. Uh, you know, I don't think when he he took over for Eddie Gonzalez, uh, most people thought he was just going to be in place through the end of that season. And, you know, depending if if you believe what you read, the final years of, of Coppolella and, and John Hart, you know, he may have, the plan may have been to replace him, honestly. And to see him stick through it and uh, win a World Series – you know, I know this was something Brad and them taught on. It, it seems like Snit almost gets to call his own shots here. He's going to manage for as long as he wants. You know, but I mean, what do you think about what do you think about Snit extension? The most important thing for a manager is how well you manage forty, you know, thirty-five, forty different personalities over a six, seven-month season. That is the most important part of the job is getting an entire clubhouse. An entire group of guys, a bunch of, you know, high level athletes, all have egos, all have money, you know, getting all of these guys to kind of row in the same direction for six or seven months. And that's more than bullpen management, more than late game tactics or strategy. That is the most important thing is, is that's why they call, that's why they're, that's why they're called managers. You know, they're not called head coaches. They're called managers because their number one job is to manage a clubhouse, to manage personalities. And from everything we've ever heard about Snit, he is one of the best in the league at just that, at being able to take a clubhouse, get rid of any nonsense that's happening throughout a season, be able to squash any kind of, I mean, these guys are around each other so much, more than their own families, that there's always going to be disagreements. There's going to be sour feelings. There's going to be bad games where you've got to be able to, move on you know players are going to have bad stretches where you got to be able to you know not dwell on it and stay positive and, and snit just he does all that stuff so incredibly well and he has such respect from the team that it was kind of a no-brainer and I agree with you I, I think uh, Brad said it on the main show but it really does seem like snit just kind of gets to call a shot here you know I don't know how long he's going to manage I think you said he's He's probably going to be around, I think he's around 70 by the time this deal ends. My guess is he'll just keep getting extensions until he wants to hang him up. 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got some sort of advisor role in the front office whenever he did kind of want to step back. But he's a lifelong brave. He's been in the organization for 40 plus years now. So, um, you know, they're not going to fire him or, you know, barring some just crazy unforeseen circumstance where the Braves are terrible for a couple of years when they're not supposed to be. And, you know, the manager's kind of the, kind of the always one that gets the ax when that happens. But barring something like that, you know, he's pretty much going to get to call a shot here. So, and you know what, he just, he deserves it. He's earned that. He's got a World Series. He's got five straight divisions. He's got a pennant. And like I said, the most important thing, I don't think he's a great tactical manager and I don't think he's a great strategic manager. And I do think he's gotten better at some of that stuff. But all of that stuff pales in comparison to managing a clubhouse for six, seven months and being able to do that successfully and keep everybody moving in the same direction. That's what he's that's what he's great at. And that's why Alex is, you know, that's why he keeps getting this job year after year is because Alex understands that. And, and Brian is one of the best in, in the sport at, at doing just that. I mean, you're right. I mean, there's always some things that, you know, it, we'll watch a game and we'll think, yeah, you know, you, the bullpen management or something. But doing that thing, job 162 games out of a season, you know, I think it's a, a thankless job. Uh, no manager's perfect. Granted, you wish you wish there were some areas that they were a little better at. Maybe it was a little more open-minded. But I'll be honest, I, I, in my personal opinion, Snit's been more open-minded than I was expecting, honestly, uh, yep. you know, from the from the outset. And maybe, you know, that's a testament to him because if he wasn't, you know, he probably wouldn't still be sitting in this sitting in, the, in that chair, you know, on the bench and uh, um, leading this team. So, But I also wanted to point out, I, I got to looking back on this, the last time – the last time Snit was extended was in uh, 2020, and uh, the Braves announced an extension for Alex Anthopoulos that day, and they promoted him to ba- uh, president of baseball operation. operations. Obviously, there wasn't a uh, an announcement on, on Anthopoulos, and his contract reportedly runs through 2024. Sometimes they don't – these things don't <laughs> – get announced i don't know why the braves wouldn't announce one if uh if if they had reached a, a deal with anthopolis i don't think there's n- any reason to read anything into into that um obviously though if we get to the end of the season and you know there's not been an extension then you know it um, it becomes a talking point i think at some point um but uh you know what do you i mean i think you were the one that pointed out that Alex was, uh, you know, uh, under contract through 2024. So, you know, what about that situation? Uh, are you surprised that they haven't they haven't locked him up and extended him as well? Yeah, Alex, Anthopoulos is the uh, he's the Max Freed of the of the front office at this point, right? He's got he's through 2024, just got it's kind of like Max's, and we're just kind of waiting on an extension. And and obviously, Anthopoulos can't you know, negotiate this extension, he's going to, you know, his bosses are going to have to, this is really a Terry McGuirk kind of call to action for Anthopolis. I'm sure he knows that he's got one of the best executives in all of baseball working for him. And so, you know, it's crucial to lock him up, but I, I, it wasn't, that was the first, I mean, if you want to know the first thought that went through my head when I saw Stitcher get extended was just that, like, you know, is Alex getting an extension at the same time or are we, is this going to be a separate deal? Like you said, last time he, Alex got an extension. He also got a promotion to president of baseball ops. And so, you know, there's not that many more promotions that you can get once you're the president. So, you know, what are they going to do? Does Alex, does he want to stay? He's not, he's obviously not a, a Southern guy. He's a, he's a, a more of a Northern guy. He's, he's a Canadian and um, you know, he's not from here, but everything I've ever read about him or heard him talk about, he loves Atlanta. He loves, you know, his kids being in Atlanta. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he signed, 
you know, another big extension with the Braves. I hope he does. I think he's been the best. I mean, he he took the Braves out of a really embarrassing scandal, and you know, when Copy and Hart got fired, and 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 have created, you know, he's built one of the strongest franchises in the sport, and so. You know, I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope he gets the extension. He deserves to be one of the highest paid president of baseball ops in baseball, if not the highest paid, because I think he does more with less. You know, he doesn't have the same payroll that L.A. or, or New York has, and, and he still builds a perennial contender every year and has built something that looks like it's going to last for a while. So I hope Alex gets the extension. I If he doesn't want to be in Atlanta, then there's really not a lot you can do about that, but I, I haven't heard anything to that effect. So hopefully it's just a, you know, it's just something that's in the works and it'll get done. And like you said, they don't always announce it, but you know, this front office, this, this regime typically does. They announce all this stuff. Usually they're pretty transparent about this stuff. So I'd be surprised if they locked him up and didn't announce it. So I'm guessing when it happens or if it happens, we will hear about it. My hope is that it happens relatively soon. I, I kind of feel the same way as I did. I just said about Snicker. I just feel like this is Alex's job as long as he wants it. And, um, you know, he's talked in numerous interviews now about, how he's kind of injected his whole family into the into the Atlanta area, you know, is like you mentioned, he's got kids, they're in school. It would be a bigger story than for him leaving than it would be for you know them locking him up for three or four more years. You know, it's one of those things. I feel like it'll get done. You know, there's probably a good reason why it hasn't, but I don't think there's any. There's not any panic unless we're, you know, I mean, obviously if we're sitting here this time next year about to start spring training and he's in the last year of his deal, then sure, it's it's going to be a talking point. But that was, I thought that was interesting when I was looking back on uh, on Snickers' uh, extension, you know, to see that they, I had forgotten that they extended uh, Alex and Snicker both at the same time last time. So, you know, we'll see how that, how that plays out. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, I don't really think it's a story yet or anything, just something to kind of keep an eye on. Steven, we got so much TV stuff to talk about. I mean, it's been, it's been a wild off season for, uh, if you're a fan of major league baseball and trying to just figure out how to watch games, uh, it's been, it's been such a wild off season, but obviously the biggest news this uh, top, top story on the site last week was, uh, Chip Carey's leaving Bray's broadcast booth to take over as the play by play man in St. Louis. Um, obviously that's a huge story. Carey's been with Atlanta for a long time. It's kind of the voice of, uh, of the team in a lot of ways, along with probably Joe Simpson from that uh, standpoint. Rumor is that uh, Tom Hart is the favorite to replace him. Ben Ingram's been also been mentioned as an option. I think David O'Brien had uh, yesterday that there was a couple other finalists in that group too. But it's it's kind of a weird time to be replacing a uh, a broadcaster. I know we we put up a wish list kind of right after this news broke. But the reality was always going to be it was going to be hard to get some of those names just because it's so close to the start of spring training. It's so, so close to the start of a, of a new season. But, you know, personally, I think I like Tom Hart from his time here. He's got a lot of experience calling a lot of sports and as a play-by-play man. You know, I'll be happy. I'll be happy if he's the choice. I think Ben Ingram would have been a great option as well. But it sounded a little bit like that. Uh, you know, he was more interested, more comfortable staying on the radio side. So, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. But you know, what was your thoughts on Chip um, Chip leaving and then uh, Tom Hart possibly as a replacement? Yeah, it was definitely shocking, just because Chip has been the guy for 
17 years, I think. I think he came in like 2005. I, you know, my, my opinions on Chip have been, you know, well documented. I, I think he, I think he does big moments really well. Um, I think he struggles times with the, the day-to-day stuff, but you know, Chip was a mainstay and there's a lot of people that kind of only are old enough to remember Chip calling games or, you know, if you're my age, you're old enough to remember obviously the, the Skip and, and Don and all those guys calling games and, and, you know, for my lifetime, there's always been a carry in the broadcast booth, whether it was, you know, Skip or Chip. And so going into a season and, and, and finding out as late as we found out that, you know, Chip was moving on to St. Louis, it was shocking. Like it was a, it was big news. It, you know, you don't always think about the broadcasters being a big part of the story, but you know, when you're talking about a local guy and baseball is a very regional sport, and we're going to get into a little bit more of that here in a minute, but you know, you kind of, you kind of fall in love with your, your local broadcast, even if, you know, even if they're not your favorite, like you just get used to it. You get used to all the calls, you get used to the, the flow of it. You get used to, you know, you just get used to it. And I'm somebody that watches every game I watch on the, you know, some people watch with the radio. Some people watch, you know, the opposing teams broadcast. I don't do any of that. I watch on TV. I watch Braves broadcast. I, I have the sound on. So I, you know, I spend more time with, you know, whoever's calling Braves games than I do most of my family. So, you know, it was a big deal and I'm happy for Chip. Chip's getting to go home. He's from St. Louis and I'm sure that was part of the calculus for him as to, and I'm sure all of this Bally stuff that we're about to get into is, is another reason, but, um, he's, he's going home. That's kind of why he's leaving, but yeah, for the Braves, it's going to, it's a big deal who they get. If they get Tom Hart and I think he's one of the favorites right now, um, and probably the favorite, then that's a home run. If, as far as I'm concerned, especially this late in the calendar, because you're not going to be able to get somebody who's, you know, really well established in baseball. They all have contracts and, you know, it's just too late in the in the off season to try to get somebody like that. But if you can get Tom Hart and for people who don't know, I mean, Tom Hart's his resume is is widely available. He he was he did brave stuff back in like 2000. 14 or something yeah 2013 2014 he was on Braves live he did some uh, field reporting uh, but he since then he's been calling college football games college basketball games and college baseball games for ESPN and he always calls the SEC uh, network Saturday night game during football season so his voice will be very familiar to, to anybody who who has watched one of those games he, he's called probably the last four or five years of those games. So um, I would be ecstatic if it was him. Him and Frank Kaur together would be one of the best booths in baseball, in my opinion. Frank Kaur is another side of this equation that we haven't talked about that, you know, we don't really know what he's going to do. He he obviously, you know, doesn't call as many Braves games as I think some of us would like him to. But um, so what they do really on both sides of the booth is, is a story. But um, I'd be great. I would be ecstatic with Tom Hart. I think that would be a, a fantastic hire. I think Ben Ingram is more comfortable on radio and I think and I think Brad talked about this but if you replace him then you got to find somebody else for radio so you're really you know moving the you're just kind of creating one hole to fill another so um it makes more sense to leave him on radio I think I'm interested to see who the other candidates are the other finalists are but if it's Tom Hart then the Braves fans should should be ecstatic cuz that would be a home run hire. Yeah, I agree and at this point I, that's who I'm pulling for as well as long you know like i said i'd been happy with ben ingram but uh, again then you're you've got to replace you you're basically replacing 
you know, two spots then trying to fill two yeah. spots there. So, um, you know, that'd be great. But, you know, another big side of this, uh, TV story is, um, uh, you know, the, the news, I think Bloomberg actually broke it late last week, but the, uh, diamond sports group, which was a subsidiary of Sinclair, uh, is headed towards bankruptcy, it looks like. And, you know, according to that Bloomberg article, it's not a matter of if, it's more a matter of when. You know, let me put this disclaimer out there. I don't have a finance background. I, I read a lot before I wanted to, before, wanted to come on the show and try to talk about this because there's a lot of nuance. Um, that was a leveraged when Sinclair purchased regional networks from Disney. It was the old Fox Sports uh networks it was a leveraged buyout so there's a lot of debt in there and that's what's um what's going to lead it towards the the bankruptcy there's been a lot of speculation online obviously a lot of people uh, didn't understand what this means we're still going to have games on tv that's the short end of it even if they if, even if they uh file for bankruptcy you know the Braves games are still going to be on Bally Sports Southeast, or they're going to be on they're going to be on those two those regional networks Southeast and, and South. Uh, it may not have the Bally's branding anymore. The biggest part of this story is the bankruptcy could cause teams to have to renegotiate their broadcast deals. They may see delayed or even missed payments. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts for this. You know, if you're interested in this, there's I saw two good articles to, uh, this week on it. Uh, one's by Ben Clemens at Fran, uh, Fangrass, and the other was by Rob Maines at, at Baseball Prospectus. You know, I, I know you and I had talked a little bit prior to this uh, when this news came out about Chip obviously going from one Bally's regional network to another. And, you know, Maines kind of pointed that out in his uh, in his article today. And it was basically, you know, even with Diamond teetering on the brink of bankruptcy, you know, Chip Carey's moving from Bally Sports South and Southeast to Bally Sports Midwest to call Cardinals games. That's not a move that a team makes if you're if there's any question that your broadcast will be on the air. You know, so uh, that that should put that to rest. You're you're going to be able to watch this year. Now, what things look like beyond this season? That's where it gets interesting. You know, but what you know, what is your kind of your take on on this whole bankruptcy thing and and what it kind of means for the future of. Uh, of, of watching baseball. I'm like you. I, I, I wanted to make sure I read and listened to people way smarter than me about all of this before I spoke about it because it is complicated. And, and like you mentioned, especially the way that this diamond sports group ended up purchasing, you know, the old Fox sports networks is, is convoluted if you're not at least, you know, somewhat experienced in the financial aspect of it. But kind of the quick and dirty version of it is that Teams sell the rights to their broadcasts to broadcast networks like Sinclair. Those networks then put on the production of the broadcast. They sell that channel to a cable company like Charter or Pick Your Cable Company. And then the cable company sells the whole package to the consumer. Right, So that's kind of the chain. It goes from team to broadcast network to cable company to consumer. That's the chain that has kind of existed, at least in baseball world, for the last, you know, however long, a few decades or whatever, since the Fox Sports brand was kind of first came out. And the problem is that the broadcast, the broadcast network like Sinclair, well, first they have to buy the company from Fox, which is what you were just talking about, how they used a lot of debt to buy the company from Fox. 
On top of that, then you have to pay the yearly fees to the teams for the broadcast rights. And one of the articles I saw said that uh, Sinclair slash Bally pays about $2 billion a year to all the teams that they cover for the broadcasting rights to, to, to broadcast those games. And then on top of all that, you have to pay for the actual production of your broadcast. You have to pay for cameras and producers and on-air talent and all the stuff that goes into actually putting on a game on television. You, you're, you're footing the bill for all that. So you got the initial buying, you got the yearly broadcast rights that are a fortune, and then you got all the production cost. And that model is extremely difficult to make profit or to make profitable because you have so much money going out the door. And unless you're just making hand over foot money in terms of ad revenue during those games, then you're, you're going to have a hard time making money. And that's kind of where they found themselves. And, you know, Sinclair famously at this point, you know, purchased these RSNs at probably the worst time in history. They, they were, they were probably overpriced and this was obviously right before the pandemic hit and, and it was just a terrible, you could see it coming. You could see it being a disaster when it first happened, but even on top of that, they got some pretty rotten luck on top of it. So it, it really is just a kind of a cluster for the consumer, which is all we really care about at this point. I don't care which third party company comes in between baseball and, and the consumer for the consumer. It's probably not going to look any different in 2023, whether it's Bally or somebody that comes in and kind of saves Bally for the year, you know, it's probably not going to change much. But after this year is where it gets really fascinating because any company can kind of look up and down and see the trouble in making this model work for them. You know, if, if Bally goes under or Sinclair goes under, you know, what which network is going to come along and say, hey, that, you know, we can make that work. It's just such a tough model to make work. And so that's what I'm going to be interested to see. I, I would love for MLB to come up with some sort of, you know, direct to consumer model or, or one of these streaming services just to buy. Like I would love YouTube just to buy out all of the broadcasting rights for all 30 teams and just put it all on YouTube TV. They could charge me basically whatever they want. And I would pay it probably just to be able to watch all baseball games in market, out of market, doesn't matter. And that's what I'm hoping happens. I, you know, I doubt that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. Uh, but it is a, you know, it is a convoluted mess. It's got a lot of different layers. It's going to have big ramifications more after this year than during this year. I think we're far enough down the line for the 2023 season where it's really not going to matter. But when you try to watch baseball in 2024, it's going to look, I, my guess is it's going to look a lot different than it did any year before that. In in this Rob Maines article, this was, this was kind of a passage where he alluded that it's, you know, you said there's not going to be any, uh, any changes in 2023, you know, the games will be on the air and they'll probably still be on the same channels starting in 2024 though, things are probably going to look different. You know, games will probably still be on cable, but there will almost certainly be new streaming options. If you've been a cord cutter the last few years, you know, this has gotten harder and harder. The RSNs basically pulled out themselves off of uh, YouTube TV and Hulu and have left you, uh, you know, searching. If you're a streamer, you know, and you don't have a cable package or a satellite package, you know, watching the Braves and the Hawks or, or you know, any of those, uh, any of those teams that are serviced by those RSNs, it's become a challenge. You know, MLB TV. If you're in the Atlanta market, MLB TV is not a solution because of the blackout rules. You know, I think this is where, hopefully, 
you know, it's a big, a big if, but hopefully we can, this bad situation can lead to something better. And, you know, it sounds like that the league's been kind of exploring this and everything, but I'm kind of like you, I don't think, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see all the games going on YouTube TV or anything like that. But what I could see one day is you buying MLB.TV and you get, you get all those games free of blackouts and I would pay whatever for that. Just like you, like you said earlier, I mean, my opinion, I just want to be able to watch baseball and, and you and I last night, you know, the news came out, YouTube TV dropped MLB network, uh, today as of February 1st. Now, maybe it comes back before opening day. Maybe it doesn't, you know, we've, we were kind of, I think I kind of assumed when they dropped the RSNs, Bally Sports South and, and Southeast, that those would be back eventually. And it hasn't happened. So I don't think you can, I don't, in this, in this industry and the way things are right now, I don't think you can guarantee that those are coming back. Uh, but you know, you and I were talking last night in Slack and I'm trying to look for a, an alternative to YouTube TV and, you know, they're, every one of them has their, all the streaming services have their pros and their cons. And, you know, at the end of the day, it really doesn't get you closer without paying a lot more money. I mean, I finally told you last night, you know, I'd probably just be as, as well off to just to go back to a cable package or a satellite package and, uh, you know, throw up the white flag and surrender. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way it feels like. But at some point, the league's got to step in here and make this make this thing easier you know, for fans to watch because, you know, I get, I do this for a living. You know, if I'm not at the stadium, I need to watch these games and, you know, I love it. But, you know, if an average fan, they're not going to jump through this many hoops to be yeah. able to watch their team. You know, I mean, it's hurting, it's hurting the bottom line in a lot of ways. And, and it's hurting, um, you know, I just, I just feel like this is an opportunity for major league baseball. Maybe there's some legal, legal ramifications to why they this can't what I want can't happen but there's got to be a better there's got to be a better solution than what we've been dealing with for the last you know two to four four years now um that's kind of that's just kind of my feeling I mean I just want to be able to watch baseball and I don't want it to be complicated and I don't want to have to subscribe to five different things to be able to see my team yeah and that's the problem for baseball is that and this is not just a baseball thing, but most sports there, the number of casual fans outnumber the number of hardcore fans, probably 10 to one, right? Your hardcore fans are going to find your games no matter where they are. They're, they're, they're you and me who we research this stuff. We talk about this stuff every day. We, you and I are going to find a way to watch the Braves no matter what, because we're hardcore fans, but casual fans are where you know leagues make money or lose money because there's just so many more casual fans and if you're making your fans jump through four or five hoops to to see your games every hoop they have to jump through is another chunk of casual fans that are just not going to watch like you just said and you know i i am very much you know if mlb tv came out with a package tomorrow that said this is our outer market you know, package, if you don't live in the area where your team plays and you don't, you know, you're fine just paying for out-of-market rate, then here's your out-of-market package. And if they said, and for double that money, here's your in-market package, you know, for right now, the crazy thing about baseball is if you, it is easier to watch the Braves if you don't live anywhere near Atlanta than it is to watch the Braves if you live somewhere close to Atlanta. Like they make it easier 
Like I know Scott lives in Arizona. So for him, it's way easier to find options to, to watch the Braves because he can just log on to MLD, MLB.tv and just watch the games on there. And that's not an option that's afforded to anybody that lives in market. And that's got to change. And if it's MLB just coming up with a separate package that includes in-market games, then do that. And you can honestly, I'm not joking, you could charge almost whatever you want, and I'm probably going to pay it. And now, obviously, the more affordable you make it, the the more casual fans will pay for it. But, you know, asking fans to have to research all these streaming services and, you know, see which ones are carrying MLB Network, which ones aren't, which ones contracts are coming up, you know, is it going to change? Do I need to look at cable? Like asking casual fans to do all that, they're just not going to watch and they're just going to check out. And that's what that's the last thing baseball needs. So either some sort of in market package that so people that actually live near the the team that they watch can can watch these games, some sort of streaming option where you know you you get your money from YouTube and YouTube gets their money from from consumers, whatever it is. But it need there needs to be a solution. It can't be you can't just keep doing this. And like you said, you know this is a negative, but it, you know hopefully it ends up being a, a a net positive because you know what we really need is this entire model to die. And something else to be kind of born from it because this whole model just sucks. And MLB blackout rules have been a thing that most fans, you know, if you ask baseball fans, what's the number one thing they they would get rid of if they could? I think blackouts, the blackout rules would be number one by a, 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 a massive margin. I mean, it's the most annoying part of being a baseball fan is the fact that you can live close to the team that you root for. And that means you can't watch that team on MLB.tv. That's what they got to get rid of. They got to figure out a way to get in-market fans more access to the teams they want to watch. Because if not, then they're going to start losing fans in, in droves. Yeah, and I mean, like you just mentioned, even if you go, if you do the gymnastics and and try to come up uh, with what you figure is the best plan, you know, whether that's uh, you know uh, YouTube TV. Obviously, that's not the case now, but if it was YouTube TV, uh, some mixture of YouTube TV, MLB TV, uh, dot TV, and then, you know, something else, the the fact is it could change tomorrow, you know? And, I mean, yeah. you, you can you can have the right answer, and then two months from now, you know, there's more carriage disputes, and, and you know, and you're the one that suffers. That's the, that's the thing. You just can't. It's just not a workable model. And, I mean, the blackout rules, like you said, they apply to other sports as well. They are the worst thing. It's an arcane thing that's existed for way too long. Uh, you know, it's time to it's time to come out of the dark ages and and you know, I just like I said, I just want to be able to go. I, I've said this for years. I just want to be able to go to Major League Baseball and and say, "Give me your games. I will pay you. Give me the games. I want to be able to yeah. watch. I want to be able to watch. I will give you money. Right. You give me sports. Yes, please take my money." And let me watch what games I want to watch, you know, and you can chop that up into different levels. You know, the whole package, you know, your only uh, NL teams, only your own team. I don't care how they split it up, but, you know, I would gladly pay extra because I'm already paying extra trying to cover watching, watching everything. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's, I I feel like something's got to change. And this, you know, if this bankruptcy and things going uh, down the tubes right here. If that doesn't spur uh, positive action, then I'm not sure anything's going to. And uh, you know, again, like I said, uh, if you're if you're interested in growing this sport and growing this game, you've got to get in front of as many people as you can. 
And, uh, you know, I do feel like, I mean, they got that incentive to be striving for that goal, you know. So hopefully it comes up. Uh, you know, I don't, like I said, it's not going to change this year, but in, in future seasons, uh, you just, you've got to have, they've got to come up with some kind of, some kind of option. And the last thing I'll say about it is like MLB TV is actually fairly affordable. You know, it's like $120 a year, I think, or something like that. Maybe 150. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's not crazy when you consider it's for the whole year. You know, if they doubled that or tripled that, honestly, you know, if they said for $300 a year, you can watch any team, any game you want. I would pay it for $300 a year. I mean, what is that like? I mean, that's like 40 bucks a month or I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's, but that's, you know, that's, that's way better than having to do all the stuff that you have to do to watch in market games. And I, I just, I understand the, the league and teams have gotten a ton of money. I mean, they get a ton of money from these TV rights and that's why they do it this way is because these networks will pay all this money. I mean, like I said, Bally owes $2 billion just for 2023, just for the broadcast rights. I mean, that's a ton of money. And that's why teams do it. That's why this model exists is because teams realize how much they could sell these broadcast rights for. And then to make that money back, you know, obviously the networks have to charge a ton of money for the cable companies and the cable companies in turn have to charge a ton of money to fans. And so that's why this network exists or that's why this model exists. But Hopefully with it crashing and burning the way it is, and it is crashing and burning, that's what this is, you know, hopefully from the, the, the wreckage of this model will come something much better. It's important also to, to kind of mention is, uh, you know, there's a chance that teams miss out on some of this money. Um, yeah. The reading, reading those two articles, especially the one by Ben Clemens today, you know, I don't think they're going to just completely not pay teams. Uh, obviously, if they cancel the deal and they're trying to sell what's left of uh, of, uh, of Diamond Sports after after the bankruptcy, it's a whole lot more valuable if they have those contracts in place. But there is a chance that you know those those payments come late, or they come uh, reduced, or you know there's some renegotiation. And I'm sure that's going to have long-term effects as well. Uh, thankfully, we're a long way from a CBA negotiation, but you know it would not be shocking to see some teams use that as a a means of an excuse to not spend. You know, I mean, we, they don't need many excuses. We've seen this uh, too many times. So, you know, just all kinds of just all kinds of things that go into this that's going to have long-lasting effects on it, and not all of them are going to be positive. But I'm just hopeful that the league understands just how how critical I think this situation is and can come out of this with a, just a better option uh, for its fan base because uh, I'm like you. I mean, I'd, pay, I'd easily pay double if I don't have to jump through all these hoops, you know. And yeah. uh, uh, I think there's a lot more – a lot more fans out there that would be willing, willing to do that if they didn't have to worry about uh, blackouts and you know subscribing to so many services just to try to be able to see their team. It's a, it's a situation I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. You know, there's a there's a lot of NBA teams and and NHL teams also included into that into those uh, the Bally RSN. So you know there could be a, you know, this could be a, a situation where it's not just affecting Major League Baseball. We may see a, some sort of a solution that comes, you know, uh, from multiple leagues even. So 
Uh, I'm sure it's something we'll be going to be talking about throughout uh, again before before too long because uh, you know the way it reads, this bankruptcy's going to happen, and uh, you know we'll have to just kind of figure out what the fallout is. But uh, you know, pitchers and catchers report couple a couple of weeks uh, away. Uh, Baseball is going to be back uh, by the end of the month. We're going to have games going on down in uh, down in Florida and Arizona, so. Um, you know, now's a good time to stay tuned. Uh, we've got stuff on the site, uh, trying to keep things flowing there. Uh, it's kind of a dead time, but there has been a little bit of news. So, uh, you know, and it's always, we just appreciate you guys listening. Yep. Uh, we should be getting, um, the Braves new announcer here pretty soon. Bowman tweeted out, uh, yesterday or the day before that they're kind of finalizing that decision. So we should know who's going to be announcing games here probably this week. And then, um, you know, we'll get spring training rolling here in about two weeks and then it's off to the races for about seven months. And obviously anybody who's followed us any time now knows that once the season starts that, you know, we, we pretty much go nonstop. So, uh, make it sure to check everything out. Check out the podcast, uh, network. Um, you know, we've got this show, we've got Brad and Scott on the main show, and then we've got Sean doing the daily hammer. So there's always plenty of content and obviously there's a ton of written stuff on the site. So, Check it all out, and we'll see you guys next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.